It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good evening. If you seem to sense an aura of cold dampness that permeates this room, attribute it not to either defective air conditioning or inclement indoor weather. It's simply because this is rather a special place with a special statuary and special paintings. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Throwback Thursday episode. Right next to me is a person who is going to throw it back on this episode. She guarantees not to throw up on this episode, and that is... Jimmy! I got one name! Jimmy! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! Hi! Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Hello, handsome! You're a good-looking fellow, do you know that? People laugh at you. People hate you, but why do they hate you? Because they are jealous. Look at that boyish face. Look at that sweet smile. You are not evil. You are good. Yes, yes, somebody has said it. I am good. I promise to be good on this episode. I won't be rattling my chains. I promise I won't be doing that at all. Right next to me is a person who is good all the time. Although, she might be good, but she is a little bit... She's strange, and I like it. She's strange, just the way she is. She's strange, walking down the avenue. She's strange, always doing something And that is Gimme, and I like that she's strange, and I hope you like it too. If this is your first time listening to the Riley and Kimmy show... Thank you for selecting us. Thank you for making us part of your day. Yes, thank you. Kimmy, how how are things going in the strange world? They're fine. Well, why wouldn't they be? It is a Thursday. Thursday, such a crazy, lazy day. Thursday has its own peculiar way of saying hey. Oh, that's right. It's a crazy, lazy day. It is a Thursday. Thank you for making us part of your Throwback Thursday. The Riley and Kimmy Show guarantees to throw it back. One of the reasons we can say that is because we focus on nostalgia and retro of pop culture. That's right. The world of pop culture, nostalgia and Heavy emphasis on retro, right? Yes. The Riley and Kimmy Show, the place that you can come to for pop culture escapism. Please tell your friends you found us, that unique place that offers a daily episode that revolves around pop culture. You can find all the episodes archived on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Also, social media links help the show grow. Communicate with us. That's right. Like on Instagram, YouTube. Twitter, Facebook, and others. All those links available right on that website. 
Also on our website is Celebrity Interviews We've Done. Also Nerd and Information Pop Culture links. They're, they're there too. And we have platforms that you can easily take us anywhere on planet Earth. We are proud to state we are part of iHeartRadio, iTunes, and also SoundCloud to name a few. The Riley and Kimmy Show, a place that hopefully makes you feel good. And that's what we are all about, is giving you a positive experience. And with that said, the Riley and Kimmy Show really has to, well, just step back for a second and ask you for a little bit of help. And that is to stand up against something that we saw, well, it rear its ugly head before sitting down for this episode of 1,475. Before we get into that, it's just going to be a brief thing here where we ask for your help. Kimmy has the quote of the day that kind of revolves around what we're talking about. And what is that quote, Kimmy? The quote is to remember to watch out for people who are always bragging about who they are. A lion will never have to tell me it's a lion. That is so true. And, well, unfortunately, the Riley and Kimmy show encountered somebody, you know, that their self-worth was, well, it needs to be checked. Mm-hmm. They A little bit, yeah. yeah they, they were insulting, demeaning, rude to individuals. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, lack of respect, I, I need to state, and bullying behavior. Mm-hmm. And this was an adult, two adults, who was wanting individuals to help him for a, a future campaign, non-political. Right. Mm-hmm. Had a team of experts that he assembled, asked to be part of his team, Yet there was really no team. It was all I, I, I this. Mm -hmm. Telling falsehoods, which nobody challenged him on. Him being insulting, and nobody challenging him on that. They took it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe this. Mm -hmm. People were letting him talk to them in a very rude manner. Right. These are mature, professional people. And no one stood up to this person. And it went on and on and on. And I'm realizing that this is a start of a project that if this individual is like this now. At the beginning. Yes. What kind of monster is this abusive, self-centered individual going to be like, this megalomaniac, five months from now? Correct. It was quite eye-opening. Yes. And it also was eye-opening to the character or lack of character to those around him who were allowing this behavior to continue. Mm-hmm. People who, well, they just didn't stand up. Right. They didn't say, hey, you're you're out of line here. And really, that's a crime too to just stand by and and it, you're part of it if you if you don't if you just let it happen. You empower it. Mm-hmm. And to me, this shows a sign of weakness on part. Well, character flaw on those who are allowing it, allowing this individual to do what they were doing, this disrespectful behavior. They were feeding this bully's ego. I don't know if it's out of poor self-esteem or a hope to benefit themselves in some way that they're willing to be like a tick to this individual, mm-hmm. to be a sycophant, to get whatever they can out of them too. And so they will put up with the 
the poor, unprofessional, disrespectful behavior. Right. So I was kind of shocked and stunned, especially by some of the individuals who are quote unquote friends who did nothing. Mm-hmm. And being a new year just around the corner, I want nothing to do with individuals who won't stand up to people like that. Right. I mean nothing to do with them. Stop bullying now. Mm-hmm. It it's doesn't not, just happen with children. Right. And the kids who do it grow into adults like this person. Mm-hmm. And what's sad is Kimmy communicated with one of the individuals who tolerated this shortly after and they were like, well, well, I, he was just joking. With, but no. Uh, Unfortunately, no. Um, that's not uh, a feasible there's no, excuse. No, there's no excuse. And that's something somebody can get away with or try to get away with. And years ago, they probably could very easily because nobody would pay attention or shine a light on it. Is, you know, oh, I was just joking. It was just a joke, but it's Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. It's hateful, it's hurtful, it's disrespectful, and it's unprofessional. And there's no need for that kind of behavior or conduct in that setting we were in or any setting. No adult, no child, no person should be subjected to that kind of behavior, period. Correct. So So, um, don't let yourself get in that situation, and, and please stand up for others. And I, I have a big, yes, please, Kimmy is exactly right. And a big thank you to the one person who stood up for me because I stood up to this person. And that person didn't like it. They did not like this. The bully did not like it. Mm-hmm. Bully, bully was not happy that I said, hey, this isn't right. There wasn't, a, there was not an apology. Right. And, and actually, you just tried to walk away. And, yes, I did. And he basically followed you. He, he stalked me. Um, he stalked me to have he wanted, a confrontation. Yeah. And well, he wanted submission probably. Oh no, I'm, I'm not mad at your, your behavior was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, but it wasn't okay. I stated it wasn't okay. I never was disrespectful. In my responses towards him, mm-hmm. his were to me. And, yes. Yes. And, um, and no, I'm not going to allow that to no, happen. Only one person stood up and stood with me. And that is my best friend, Kimmy, against this bully. Mm -hmm. So please, please stand up to bullies. Don't tolerate them. They come in all ages. Just stand up for somebody, too, if it's not yourself. Stand up for a friend or even a stranger. Don't allow that behavior. Don't condone it. Don't empower it. Why would you bully me? Why would you bully me? Why would you... Bully me. Because it makes you feel cool? Because I'm different? Do I touch a nerve? Does making me feel bad make you feel good? Why? 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 Bullying hurts. Bullying abuses. Bullying kills. Why would you... Bully me? Someone you know may be a victim of bullying. Bullying is not a joking matter. Bullying has directly affected me. And me. And me. And me. And me. Join the fight against bullying today. And you can find more information about anti-bullying right on our website. What is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com
find archived podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy show at RileyandKimmy.com. They play nothing but rotten junk on that program. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Now that is a big question on this Throwback Thursday. Does Kimmy want to challenge her brain cells by going back to the thrilling days of yesteryear? Do you want to play some pop culture trivia on this Throwback Thursday, Kimmy? What say you? Mm-hmm. And a little bit of a warning for Kimmy. The timeline definitely has been adjusted, meaning it's not running in chronological or linear order. It is a <laughs> wacky. It's goofy. That's right. It's sort of like I am. It is all over the place. It's scrambled egg time. Ooh, I mentioned food. Kimmy might be hungry. Mm, Yell at whatever eggs. competing device you happen to be listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. It could be anything through iHeart, iTunes, SoundCloud. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. We are the Riley and Kimmy show. Remember, if you miss a little, you definitely miss a lot. Very first question we have for you, Kimmy, deals with daytime dramas. You know, you know what a daytime drama is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, daytime drama, otherwise known as what? A soap opera. Yeah, otherwise known as TV soaps. That's right. It was on this date in history. This soap opera ends. Give me the decade it played out for the last time. intro that uh, announcer the edge of night okay the edge of night aired on what network kimmy oh um abc uh, cbs and can you tell me who or actually what decade it it ended when did it go kaput was it the 1970s 1980s 1990s or 2000s 1980s you're right 1984 it ended after a 28 year run it basically started out Perry Mason for daytime TV was what it was supposed to be, kind of with a you know a little bit of romance to it. Mm. That was what its kind of original really? thing was. Yeah, that was its original concept, the the Edge of Night, hmm. 1984. Did you ever see an episode? Did anybody have it archived on videotape? Oh, yeah. oh so you had some family members, some soap opera freaks that mm-hmm. like the Edge of Night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that thing. See, I love those soap opera intros. Yeah. Brought to you by Prell. (laughs) Or Pampers. (laughs) I love those, you know. Uh, You know, the guiding light. Brought to you by Pampers. (laughs) But I think Prell's like my favorite. You know, by Prell. (laughs) I I love those. All right, Kimmy, it was on this date in history. We're giving you, well, a plus or minus of 20 years. A plus or minus of 20 years. This individual, William E. Semple of Mount Vernon, Ohio, patented chewing gum. When did this happen? Chewing gum. Now, they call it the first acceptable chewing gum. The others weren't, I guess, acceptable. They weren't chewy or didn't taste good or just weren't good. This one was acceptable. 1825? Oh, that's scary. I didn't think you'd guess. <laughs> think you'd be in that century. Really? I thought you'd go, oh, 19-something. No, you, you're in the right century, but a few years off. It was 1869. Chewing gum was patented. See what you learned with the Riley and Kimmy show? Uh-huh. It's time for Celebrity Weddings, Kimmy. 
It was on this date, the year is 1957. This actress, at the age of 19, marries an actor at the age of 27. They get married in Scottsdale, Arizona. At that time period, in 1957, she is famous for Rebel Without a Cause. Can you tell me the name of the actress? Natalie Wood. And her husband, who a number of years later would be famous for this TV show. Tell me the TV show. Kimmy, can you identify the TV show her husband would be famous for a number of years later? Um, to Catch a Thief? Well, you're close enough. We will accept that. It is. It Takes a Thief. And who? Wasn't there a show called Catch, To Catch a Thief, too? It's, that's the film by Cary Grant that oh. this TV show is based on, loosely, I mean, very loosely based on. Cary Grant did the film, and then a number of years they did the TV show, oh. starring her husband... With Malachi Throne. Can you tell me who her husband, who did she marry 1957? Robert Wagner. That's right. First time they would get married, they get divorced, and then get remarried. They got married in 1957. That's Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner. Speaking of Natalie Wood, we have an interview with Natalie's sister, Lana Wood. It's available right now. We did the interview. It's really cool. She talks about her sister and Hollywood and working on a James Bond film. And a little bit of a hint about Robert Wagner. There's just a little bit talked about that. I didn't really want to focus on that 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 darkness. For those who are listening to the Riley and Kim show may not know, there has been suspicion on Natalie Wood's death. Some believe Robert Wagner might know more than what has been divulged or possibly involved, actually, in that death. You can hear the interview with Lana. Actually, see it, too. We have a video version as well, all on our website. What is our web address? RileyandKimmy.com Correct. The year, Kimmy. Well, we're going to music here. The year is 1968. This band's, this group's album goes to number one and stays number one for nine weeks. The album is the White Album for whom? The Beatles. You're right. Do you have that in your collection? I do not. Any recordings of the White Album? Anything? No? No digital? No? No. Wow, I'm surprised. The year is 1969. This group... Well, they had a day declared in their honor in Detroit, Michigan in 1969. 1964, they had a number one hit. Tell me who the group is. Can you tell me who that is? Um, whose day was it in 1969? And I can't. You know, it's the Temptations. Ugh. The Temptations Day. Temptations Day. Yeah, Temptations. Cool. Love the Temptations. One of the uh, one of the greatest gifts going back in time for me from my father. He didn't give too many gifts for some reason. Why? Well, I know why. He had a friend who had a business that was getting rid of eight-track tapes. <laughs> And an eight-track player. I don't, and The Temptations was, and there were several different uh, eight-tracks of The Temptations, Greatest Hits and others, along with Elvis, Steve Miller Band. I remember those like it was yesterday because th those became a good friend of mine, even though it was eight-track and nobody was listening to him at that time period. But I was out in the middle of the sticks. Matter of fact, had my own radio station I built 
I did. I built a radio yeah. station. Me and some cows probably <laughs> were the only listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Temptations. Mm-hmm. Played a lot of Temptations, Kimmy, on mm-hmm. 8-Track. Chunk, chunk. If you know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. I'm sorry with an 8-Track. Because it played the song and, it was, and then it would just cut off and go to the next track to continue. You know, chunk, chunk. Did you ever ride in a car with an 8-Track player? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting if you look at the very early uh, Mission Impossible episodes, they have, it's not the 8-Track, it's actually a 4-Track system that radio stations used. That's how sometimes they played the secret mission for Mr. Phelps. was on the cassette tape. Was that not cassette tape, but the 8-track type tape, the 4-track. Pop it in the machine and it would play. It was on this date, Kimmy, 1975. 25-year-old David Gelfer points a 44 Magnum at this performing artist. He was brought down to the ground by members of the audience and security guards. Gelfer was charged with intimidating with a weapon. Can you tell me the name of the artist this happened to? Here's your clue. Can you tell me who the artist is that was threatened with a 44 Magnum on this date? Ted Nugent. That's correct. We're looking for the decade, Kimmy. 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000s. This uh, form of science and pop culture, well, this happened. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. (laughs) Yes, alive. Elizabeth Jordan Carr, the first American test tube baby, was born in Virginia on this date. What decade? The 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or 2000s? 2000s? 1981 is when that happened. Oh. Moving to a different part of the timeline. Identify who this is. The year is 1991. This businessman, this broadcast mogul, is named Time Magazine Man of the Year. At that time, in 1991, he is married to actress Jane Fonda. Who is it? Ted Turner? You're right. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Tell me why he is on this list. Why is he famous? Woodrow Wilson, born 1856. He was a president. That's right. Died 1924 at the age of 67. Was he president in the 19th or 20th century? 20th. Right, he was president, 28th president, 1913 to 1921. Next person, once you identify who it is, tell me how old he is within a plus or minus of one year. We're giving you a plus or minus of one year. Writer, creator of many superheroes. Here's your clue. Well, I don't know what they mean, but to us, we mean the Marvel comic books, mm-hmm. which we like to think uh, were started a new style in comics, more realistic. If you <laughs> can imagine fantasy superheroes being realistic, that's the gimmick. I, I created a lot of them, and I was the head writer, the art director, and the editor. Then a few years later, uh, they made me the publisher, so I stopped writing them. Now the only comic book writing I do is the Spider-Man newspaper strip, which is around the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm out here hoping to put these and other properties into movies and television shows. 
I think he was successful on that, right, Kimmy? Kind of. Uh, that's from back in 1984 when Alan Thicke interviewed him. Who is it? Stan Lee. Yes. How old is he today within one year? 94. You get it within one year. He is 95 today. All right. We have the entire interview Alan Thicke did from 1984 available on our website. You can watch it right now. And what is our web address? RileyandKimmy.com. Moving back to birthdays, Kimmy, this actor known for two television shows, the first one from 1960 to 1964, identify the show. I think we've given Kimmy enough time with that theme. Can you identify the TV show, Kimmy? Route 66. All right, it's Route 66. He was on that from 1960 to 1964, and then on this TV show. What is the name of that TV show? Adam 12. Yeah, he was on Adam 12, which originally aired on NBC from 1968 to 1975, and then went to syndication and is being played right now somewhere. He starred on both shows. Here's an audio clue. Tell me who was born on this date. This black and white patrol car has an overhead valve V8 engine. It develops 325 horsepower at 4,800 RPMs. It accelerates from zero to 60 in seven seconds. It has a top speed of 120 miles an hour. It's equipped with a multi-channel DFE radio and an electronic siren capable of emitting three variables, wail, yelp, and alert. It also serves as an outside radio speaker and a public address system. The automobile has two shotgun racks, one attached to the bottom portion of the front seat, one in the vehicle trunk. Attached to the middle of the dash, illuminated by a single bulb, is a hot sheet desk, fastened to which you will always make sure is the latest one of the teletype before you ever roll. It's your life insurance. And mine. You take care of it, it'll take care of you. That is unedited and... Just a clip. It's actually longer, the piece that he does. It's from episode one, season one of Adam 12. Who is it? Martin Milner. That's right. Martin Milner, born on this date, 1927, died 2015. I take it you watched Adam 12. Mm -hmm. Probably never seen Route 66, though, right? No. Please check out Route 66 if you have the opportunity. It's like a time capsule because they actually filmed this show, which was very... It was... Cutting edge, because it just wasn't done. People stayed in the studios and shot things. They shot it on location. So you get to see America, snapshots of America from 1960 to 1964. They shoot it at actual locations, businesses, mm -hmm. and things like this. I've seen Chicago, 1960s, really cool. I've seen Florida, mm -hmm. Daytona Beach, mm -hmm. Palatka, all in the 19s. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a trip, all in the 1960s. So if you have an opportunity to check out Route 66, do so. I think you'll you'll be amazed. Musician having a birthday, Kimmy. Tell me who it is. He is 71 years old. We have two audio clues, both charting hits of his. First one, number one for one week on the Billboard Hot 100, May of 1973. Tell me who the birthday person is. A 
song that, well, it inspired me to try to learn to play the guitar. It did not work. And can you tell me who had Frankenstein as a hit? Who's having a birthday? I don't know. You know Frankenstein, don't you? Yes. You know the song? Yes. Okay, well, another hit. 1973, hitting number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. One of my favorite classic hits of all time, classic rock songs. Can you tell me who is having the birthday, Kimmy? Who had Free Ride as a hit? Uh, no. Oh, my goodness. Shout it out to Kimmy. Come on, help her out. N- nothing coming through? No. Nothing coming through the temporal highway here? Mm-mm. Nothing? Okay. Edgar Winter had the Edgar Winter group. Those uh, hits were under. He is 71 today. Moving away from music, Kimmy, and going to your other favorite category, that is movies. Tell me... How old this person is within five years once you identify this actor? Starred in the Manchurian Candidate reboot, Reimagination, 2005. He played Major Ben Marco. He was in The Equalizer when it went to film, 2014. Played Robert McCall. And he's in, well, my favorite movie that he's done, although I do like The Manchurian Candidate, is this one, Kimmy. Identify the movie, but tell me who the birthday person is. This scene, this audio is just a brief part of this scene, is one of the best scenes I've ever seen filmed. It deals with a mission-critical situation. The character this actor plays is super cool in the moment, something that astronauts have to do, test pilots. It captures a mission-critical moment, I think, beautifully. This is perfection captured on cinema. Felt it in with everybody in brace positions. Yes, that is a firm. We are in a dive. We are in a dive. We have lost vertical control. We're going to need drag. I want you to throw out everything you got. The speed brakes, the gear, everything. Uh, not good, not good. Margaret, there's a red lever right there next to my seat. It says manual control. You see it? Uh, yeah. Okay, on the count of three, I want you to pull it up, turn it clockwise, push it back down. Ready? One, two, three. Evan, listen to me. When I say I want you to retract the flaps, retract the gear, trim us nose down, okay? But everything's going to be opposite, so make sure you trim us nose down. Kimmy, tell me who the actor is. Denzel Washington. Yes, tell me the movie that is from. Flight. What year, within one year, was Flight in theaters? 2005? 2012, he played Whip Whitaker Sr. in that film. Mm. And I strongly urge people to see this. I don't think that film is really that known. It is a wonderful film. He he is fantastic in it. Mm -hmm. And the scene, like I'm talking about there, where he actually, well, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, where he's a pilot, and just they capture, it's just, the tension is so captured so well, Mm -hmm. and it is so believable, that you lose yourself in that scene, at least I do. Mm -hmm. And... I have been in a situation, mission critical, not that, and I've been around those who are on repeated mission critical situations. That is, that was real mm-hmm. to me. That it was very, very real. And I was once in a plane that was going down, and I tell you what, that brought back memories right there. Mm-hmm. And fantastic film. 
How old is Denzel Washington today? Fifty-six. He would give you the biggest hug on earth, Kimmy. Definitely a fist bump. He's 63 today. Oh. Now, did you like the movie Equalizer from 2014? It was okay. Well, is it okay enough to see it again? Well, the part two, they're doing Equalizer 2. Possibly. He will be in Equalizer 2. It will be released, scheduled to be released August 3rd, 2018. I see dead people. Notable deaths. Celebrities, famous people who died on this date in history. This first one's going to be close to impossible for you, Kimmy, but you know the person. I just don't think you know the name. We don't think poorly of you if you don't know the name, but you definitely know the character he played on TV. Now, he was part of a television series. Well, he was actually part of movies way before the TV series, appearing in over 140 films starting out in the 1920s. But he was also on a TV series. He took over an empty spot on a TV show. The TV show was this. Identify it. Identify that TV show. My Three Sons. That's correct. He was part of My Three Sons. Not the original part, but mm, the show had been on a number of years. He took over for William Frawley, who was not allowed to come back on the show because of a health condition. They they wouldn't give him insurance. They, they wouldn't write an insurance policy for him. Hmm. So he had to be replaced. And they replaced him with this actor, Kimmy. Tell me, the actor's character will get you by. Here's your audio clue. It hit me a little weird, too, Judge. <laughs> oh, it's okay, Steve. The judge here don't want me to put on a big phony act. Cook, wash, clean up, uh, ball them out, tell them bedtime stories, yell at them, wash for them, go to the market, deprive them of their privileges when they horse around too much, and all the wild stuff the other mothers in the neighborhood do. Oh, yeah, spank. <laughs> I never lay a hand on them, uh, that's a father's job. Oh, heck, Judge. I, I love the little rats. Can you tell me the character he played on My Three Sons? Uncle Charlie. You're right. It's Uncle Charlie. Now, can you tell me his name? His name would flash across the screen. Can you tell me who played Uncle Charlie, Kimmy? I cannot. It's not there. Uh-uh. William Demarest is the name of who played Uncle Charlie. He liked to go by Bill, by the way. And he had a huge career during the golden age of radio. On our website right now, we have a golden age of radio tribute to William Demarest. We have two old-time radio episodes he starred in. You can find that on our website. And what is our web address? RileyandKimmy.com Back to trivia. The year is 2016. This actress dies, Kimmy, of a stroke at the age of 84. Known for many films... Known for singing in the rain in 1952. Something you know her for. 1973, she was in Charlotte's Web. Carefully spinning the tracings. Lacy and gracefully sheer. Over and under the infinite wonder of Charlotte's Web. Can you identify who that is? Debbie Reynolds. That's correct. She died one day after whom, Kimmy? Her daughter, Carrie Fisher. That is correct. 
Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job today on Throwback Thursday with Trivia. Yep, you did a good job. Thank you. And we're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about with the golden age of radio. And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Actress Debbie Reynolds passed away on this day, 2016. We have two Golden Age of Radio episodes starring her. We kick off the tribute with the first man she met. It's from 1952, followed by the Grand Jester from 1954. These are safe for all ears to hear. They are uninterrupted, back-to-back for your listening pleasure. Kicking off our tribute to actress Debbie Reynolds, here's the first man she met from 1952 on The Riley and Kimmy Show. I'm going to discard all the silly romantic notions I ever had about men. I'm going to scrap the idea that one man is a single bit different from the next. I'll marry the first man I meet. And now, act one of The First Man She Met, starring Debbie Reynolds in the role of Margaret. Curtain going up. Another cup of coffee, George? Thanks. You know, Paul, it's been a wonderful few days. I'm certainly glad I stopped by here on my way east. (laughs) I never would have forgiven you if you'd driven through without stopping. Twenty-three years since we graduated. And it's taken all this time to get you to visit me. Uh, Twenty-three years since you graduated. Only twenty for me. I was a freshman when you were a senior, remember? (laughs) Yes, I'd forgotten. (laughs) Well, at any rate, it is twenty-three years since we've seen each other. You never met Elizabeth. No. No, I wish I could have. She must have been a wonderful woman. Mm -hmm. Margaret's just like her. And Elizabeth must have been tops. Say, where is Margaret this morning? Oh, she'll be down in a minute. She fixed breakfast and then went back upstairs to finish those curtains she's making for Bert's office. Oh. I believe she thinks he's going to open a chintz store instead of a doctor's office. (laughs) (laughs) You know, she seems more interested in the opening of the office than she does in her own wedding. Oh, I guess it's just that Margaret and Bert have always known that they'd get married as soon as he'd finished his internship. But the office is a new proposition. Well, I hope he makes out all right here pretty tough hanging out a shingle in a small town that's always looked to one doctor. Yeah. Oh, the kids will have a struggle all right, but they'll make out. Margaret's going to be his nurse and secretary and bookkeeper at first. She's got a good head on her shoulders. She's got more than that, Paul. She's a wonderful girl. Yeah, if I were 33 instead of 43... Well, I'm glad you're not. <laughs> I wouldn't like hearing you call me father. <laughs> George calling you father, Dad? Oh, no, he... He's bragging because he's three years younger than I am. I'm just getting even because you insist on calling me Uncle George. Oh, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting you don't like it. Well, uh, you two kids will have to fight this round without me. (laughs) I've got to get to the store. I have to leave soon, too. It's only a week until we open the office, and I have an awful lot to do yet. Well, isn't Bert doing anything? It's supposed to be his office. Well, he isn't as enthusiastic as I am, and he kind of resents the second-hand cabinets and the repainted desk and all of that. I even bought some used magazines for the waiting room. I got them for a nickel apiece. Well, I never saw a magazine in a doctor's office, or a barbershop for that matter, that wasn't very much second-hand. I'd say you made a good buy on those magazines. Well, thank you, Uncle. 
I mean, George. Oh, well, I, I can see that that slip of the tongue is going to cause another discussion, so I think I'd better leave. Oh, I'll let her get away with it this time. <laughs> uh, don't forget your lunch, Dad. I put it on the hall table. Oh, right, thank you, dear. Now, I'm sorry about leaving you, George, on your last day here, but, well, I just can't afford to stay away from the store another day. Don't give it another thought, Paul. And don't forget, it's my treat at dinner tonight. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Born and raised here, I've never eaten dinner at the Continental Hotel. Well, we'll shoot the works from pheasant to champagne. Well, I don't think they have pheasant, even in season. Well, I'll settle for a steak. One, uh, this thing. <laughs> I'll see you tonight, George. Okay. Bye, darling. Bye. Well... Can I drive you down to that famous office, Margaret? Oh, no, thanks, George. You just laze around and read the morning paper. I can catch a bus at the corner in, uh, let's see, just four and a half minutes. Four and a half minutes? I, um, guess you'll have to leave right away, then. Yes, I'm afraid so. But I do have to get the office done. You know, Bert and his career are the most important things in my life. And I guess they always will be. <laughs> yourself, Margaret. I hit the nail right on the head, only it was my fingernail. This doggone cornice board's the most awkward thing I oh, ever... Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I should have offered to put it up. Oh, that's all right. Uh, Bert, do you suppose there's a doctor in the house? Well, I guess that'll be about the extent of my practice. Bandaging bruised thumbs. Well, let's take a look at it. My, are we down in the dumps this morning, aren't we, Dr. Gibbons? Yes, I guess I am. I just came from Dr. Lindley's. His waiting room was full, and I guess it always will be. I don't think a newcomer will stand a chance. Oh, of course you will, Bert. It'll take a long time to build up a practice, but people will find out you're a good doctor and they'll come. <laughs> well, you are a good doctor, aren't you? I think so, but I don't think that's the important point. By the time anyone finds out, the little money I've saved up will be gone, and I'll be working as a drug clerk or a health inspector. Well, what in the world got into you today? Seeing Dr. Lindley's office, I guess. All the newest equipment. A brand new X-ray fluoroscope combination I'd give my eye teeth for, among other things. And an office that spells money and success. Leather chairs and a chromium and glass desk. And... But it isn't the office furniture that counts. The heck it isn't. What'll people see when they come in here? A repainted desk, a couple of chairs we upholstered ourselves, a used cabinet we bought from Higgins Pharmacy, and an impressive array of dog-eared books I used in school. I think you have a bad case of being sorry for yourself, Dr. Gibbons. I'd suggest a brand new wife and a change of scenery. Niagara Falls, for instance. Niagara Falls. And we haven't really got the right to spend the money for a weekend there. Well, I never wanted a Caribbean cruise, Doctor. Niagara Falls was good enough for my mother and daddy, and it's Well, it isn't good enough for me. And this office isn't good enough either. Not after what I've gone through to tack that M.D. after my name. Working my way through school for six long years, classes all day, and then a dozen menial jobs after school, and then studying half the night until my eyes gave out. For what? For this? Well, what alternative have you got? What else is there to do but to open this office in as good a style as we can afford? And then later on, when we can afford better, we'll Oh, be... what's the use of kidding ourselves? We won't ever be able to afford anything better. Well, then? Dr. Lindley's offered me a partnership. Dr. Lindley, a partnership? A full partnership. My name on the door, in letters just as big as his. Half the income of his office. The use of all his facilities and as many of his patients as he can steer to me. His whole practice in a few years when he retires. But why should he be willing to... Oh, I guess. Barbara Lindley. Well, he didn't say it in so many words. No, he wouldn't. Not the suave Dr. Lindley. But he's willing to treat you like a son-in-law right from the start. I, I guess it does shape up something like that. 
I see. Well, I won't hold you, Bert. I won't make any demands on you. It it isn't as though I I gave you a ring. No, you never gave me anything as tangible as that. Maybe you were lucky you didn't have enough to buy one. Oh, you don't have to rub it in, Margaret. I know I'm being a heel. But if you dreamed and planned for things as I have... That's right. I haven't had any dreams or plans. I'm sorry, Margaret. You needn't be. I won't create a scene. And I won't berate you. I don't think you're worth it. Barbara Lindley's welcome to you. What'll you do, Margaret? Well, that shouldn't worry you. Well, it does. Then I'll tell you. I'm going to discard all the silly romantic notions I ever had. And I'm going to scrap the idea that one man is a single bit different from the next. If he'll have me, I'll marry the first man I meet when I walk out this door. And I will, too. I'll marry the first man I see. If I know so little about Bert after all these years, I could know a man for a lifetime, and I would never... Margaret. Uncle George. Can't break you of the uncle, eh? Well, I... (laughs) I'll forgive you if you'll hop in and let me take you to lunch. All right. Thank you. Ah, that's the girl. Now, where would you like to eat lunch? Why, any place, I guess. Say, you must have had a rough morning. Did one of those chintz curtains bite back? Oh, no. The curtains were very well behaved. Well, that's good. I got bored with the paper, so I thought I'd take a little drive. Well, that was a good idea. I remembered you said our young doctor's office uh, would soon enliven the corner of Maple and Third. So I thought I'd drop by and uh, see if I could take the two of you to lunch. Well, that that was very sweet of you. Uh, Bert have to go out on a case or something? He's not practicing yet. Oh. Well, is he back there in the office? I guess so. Well, maybe we ought to go back and see if he wants to join us. No. Oh. Sounds like the two of you had a little spat. Well, maybe it'll do you good to be separated for a few hours. Now, where'd you say you wanted to eat lunch? At the, uh... Continental Hotel? But you're taking us there for dinner tonight. I'd have taken you there every afternoon and evening if I'd met you before our young medic. But that's just my luck. I I guess I'm doomed to remain a bachelor. George? Hmm? Why didn't you ever marry? Oh, never met the right girl. From what your dad tells me, your, uh, your mother must have been the kind of a girl I would have married... If I'd met her first. But I I guess they don't make many from the same pattern your mother and you were cut from. You mean if you'd met mother before dad did, you'd have married her? (laughs) If all your dad says about her is true. Of course, uh, he may be prejudiced, you know. And if I hadn't been engaged to Bert Gibbons when you met me, you might have, well... I'd have swept you right off your feet, old as I am. I don't think 43's old. And I hate younger men. Maybe this quarrel with your young man is more serious than I thought. Well, it's serious. And it's final. And he isn't my young man now or at any other time. I never want to see him again. So I'm free and I'm not engaged. And I'm the same girl I would have been if I hadn't been engaged when you came. I know that sounds a little mixed up, but do you know what I mean? Uh, No. Well, what I mean is... George, I'm asking you to marry me. We return now to the second act of The First Man She Met, starring Debbie Reynolds in the role of Margaret. (laughs) 
Margaret was very much in love with young Dr. Bert Gibbons until she became the proverbial woman scorned. It was then she swore to marry the first man she met. And that first man turned out to be her father's old friend, George. Now, as the three of them return home... Well, here we are home again. That was a fine dinner, George. Wasn't it, Margaret? Mm, delicious. Is everyone as tired as I am? Well, I could do with a little sleep. And we'll have to get an early start in the morning, Margaret. And, uh, you'll be married in New York? As soon as we can get the license. And, uh, you don't have to worry about Margaret, Paul. We'll drive straight through, and, uh, if we get a good start, we ought to make New York by about, uh, oh, 10 or 11 tomorrow night. Margaret can stay with my sister Helen till after the ceremony. Uh, you remember Helen, Paul? Yes. Oh, I won't worry, George. And I hope you'll pardon all the blunders I made when you told me the good news. Did come as a shock, you know. No, no I, I, I don't mean shock exactly, but <laughs> That's he... all right, Paul. It came as a surprise to me, too. I, I guess we'll all have to get used to the idea. Dad. Dad. <laughs> now, look here, George Kane. Just because you and Mark... <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't mean that. I'm saying a lot of things I don't mean tonight. I'm not saying the things I do mean. Well, I guess we're all a little excited. Yes, dear, that's it. What I've really been meaning to say all evening is that I'm glad to welcome you into the family, George. I know you'll be good to Margaret. I'll try to be. I still... I still can't get over a beautiful young girl like Margaret being willing to marry... Uh, you'll her. be spoiling me, giving me compliments like that. I want to spoil you. As soon as I finish my business in New York, we'll go on a honeymoon. Anywhere in the world you think you might like. Around the world, if you want to. Oh, you make me feel as though I had all that in mind when I... Well, when I proposed. When you proposed? Margaret. I'll tell you all about it someday, Dad, but not now, please. Oh, she's exaggerating, Paul. I did the proposing, but an old duffer like me did need more than the average amount of encouragement. Uh, that's what Margaret meant. Well, I won't try to pretend I know what happened today. What came between Bert and you, Margaret, or how you and George decided to get married... But I just hope that neither of you will regret it. I hope you both know what you're doing. Well, I know what I'm doing, Dad. I know exactly what I'm doing. I woke up. Hey. Margaret, I know you had a long, hard trip yesterday, but I have to talk to you. George is my only brother, you know. Yes, I know. Oh, I, I brought you some breakfast. Oh, that was very nice of you, considering that you don't like me. Uh, what makes you say that? You glared at me from the moment George introduced us last night until I went to bed. Yes. Yes, I suppose I did. But put yourself in my place, Margaret. George has been a confirmed bachelor for years. He lives on the West Coast and I live here. He comes to New York often and he spends all his time with me. We've been very close. And then all of a sudden he walks in with me and announces that we're being married within a few days. Exactly. And the last time he wrote, why, he hadn't even met you. Well, I can imagine how a sister feels. Dear, I hope I'm not the jealous kind of sister, but, well... If you only weren't so young and pretty, and I... And poor. You could tell that from my clothes. And you think I'm marrying George for his money. 
That's what I've been afraid of ever since you came in last night. I don't want to see George hurt, Margaret. He's too fine a man. I say that even though he is my brother. You don't have to apologize. He is fine, and he's wonderful. Honestly, Helen, I'm not marrying him for his money. There, are you satisfied? No, not quite. There are other reasons that make young girls marry older men, other than money and other than love. I've never heard you say you love George. You haven't given me a chance. Well, do you? Where is George now? We were supposed to go down for a license this morning. He went downtown, but he'll be back any minute. And I have to have the answer to the question before he comes back, you know. Do you love him, Margaret? Well, there are all sorts of love. I once thought I was madly in love with someone else, and I found that I wasn't. So maybe I don't even know what love is. This other man, he's younger than George. Yes, but, but what you're thinking is wrong. I'm not still in love with him. I hate him. Well, then I guess it won't do any harm for you to close the door firmly on this other man before you marry my brother. What do you mean? I presume this other man is Dr. Bert Gibbons. Well, how did you know that he got into New York on an early plane this morning? He's in the living room now, waiting to see you. I'm sorry you wasted the money on the plane fare, Bert. I have nothing to talk to you oh, about. Oh, please, Margaret, listen to me just for a couple of minutes. Go ahead, but it won't do any good. I went back to Lindley's office yesterday after you walked out. I told Dr. Lindley the deal was off. I told him why... And even when he agreed to take me in as a partner with no strings attached, I told him I was opening my own office. That I had to make good on my own. For you. Well, Bert, I'm, I'm glad you decided to be on your own. You'll have a better life. But I'm not going to be part of that life. Oh, I know I hurt you. But I'll spend the rest of my life making it up. Oh, please, say you'll come back home with me. Bert, I can't. I went back to our office after I made my decision. I called you, but there was no answer. And then I finally reached your house and... Your dad said you wouldn't talk to me. There was nothing to say. So I sat there all night, looking at the drapes you'd made and the chairs we'd covered together. And I thought of all our plans. Remember the hospital we were going to build someday? Stop it, Bert. I couldn't marry you if I wanted to. I'm marrying someone else. That was his sister who let you in. Yes, I know all about it. Your dad told me and he gave me the address here. Margaret, I don't blame you for anything you've done. But you couldn't have stopped loving me just like that any more than I could stop loving you. And it's not fair to yourself or to him, marrying him if you don't love him. You're right, Bert. I do love you, no matter how weak you were for a little while. And I can't marry George, loving you. But, but how can I break it to him? He's so fine and he's noble and... And he's the first man you met when you walked out of the office. George! And you'd sworn to marry the first man you met. So, I was elected. How did you know? Well, uh... I was telling you the truth when I said I'd come down to take you to lunch, but uh, what I didn't tell you was that I came into the office. You two were so busy fighting, you didn't hear me. But I don't understand the things that followed that. Well, when I heard you make your threat, I had to hurry out so you wouldn't see me and get to my car in time to be the first man you met. But why? Margaret, your father is my oldest friend. I couldn't have you marry anyone you might have bumped into. And you never intended to marry me? Well, I thought a reconciliation was likely, and I, I guess I was right. I heard most of your conversation just now, too. 
I'm a terrible eavesdropper. Oh, you make me feel like a spoiled, ungrateful child. Uh, don't say that, Margaret. You're a fine, courageous woman. You made your decision just now before I came in. You said you wouldn't marry a man you didn't love, even though it meant hurting someone you're fond of, giving up a great many of this world's goods. You were willing to take the step. I'm proud of you. I, uh... I hope you're worthy of her, Bert. I hope so, sir. Uh, but we're not going to get along very well if you call me sir. It's as bad as being called uncle. Oh, I'm sorry, George. That's better. You know, uh, for a minute, I'd almost decided not to give you the wedding present I planned on. Oh, George. Oh, really, George? We, we no, I won't. Accept... No, no, I don't want any nonsense. You're going to accept my present, and I hope you put it to good use. It's the latest model X-ray fluoroscope combination. Gee, I... I don't know what to say. I... Oh, George, you're the kindest man who ever lived. Oh, nonsense. I'm just an amateur Cupid who was lucky in having his little plot work out. <laughs> now beat it, you two. And the best of luck, always. Thank you, George. Thank you. So much. Bye, George. Bye. Well, <clears throat> you can come in now, Helen. I know you've been listening. <laughs> I guess eavesdropping runs in the family. That was a wonderful thing you just did, George. Giving those kids the fluoroscope? <laughs> Nonsense. I have more no, money than I... I didn't mean that, and you know I didn't mean it. Yeah. I guess I do, Helen. Look, uh, what do you say we take a little ocean trip, eh? I've told my office I won't be back for a while, and, uh, well, I hear the sea air's good for a broken heart. <laughs> And so the curtain comes down on the final act of The First Man She Met, starring Debbie Reynolds. How about coming out here for a curtain call, Debbie Reynolds? Oh, thank you, Art. I'd love to. Debbie, from the quality of your performance today, I'd say you're far from being a newcomer to the drama. Well, four years in pictures is my history, Art, not counting some non-professional work in school. Still, you must have started in show business at a fairly tender age. Well, for show business, Art, I don't think there's any such thing as being too young, do you? Well, I guess you're right. And now, Debbie... With our compliments on a fine performance goes this bouquet of red and white carnations, just like those pictured on every can of carnation evaporated milk. Oh, what beautiful flowers, Art. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Debbie Reynolds. The story on today's Stars of a Hollywood presentation was written by Bud Lesser. Supporting Miss Reynolds were Bill Johnstone, Vernon Rich, Reza Royce, and Bill Boucher. Music was composed and conducted by Rex Corey, and the program was directed and transcribed by Don Clark. Carnation Evaporated Milk presents a star, Debbie Reynolds, on Stars Over Hollywood. It isn't that I don't like men. I'm no different from other girls. I mean, I'd like to have a man who'd take me out and send me flowers and want the things I want, but I guess I'm just not the type. <laughs> Now, Act One of Grand Gesture, starring Debbie Reynolds in the role of Pat. Curtain going up. Pat Rogers is the kind of girl who goes unnoticed in crowds. Standing by as the train gets in Grand Central Station, no one even glances her way. A slim young girl, neither pretty nor plain, 
her nurse's uniform hidden by a shabby black coat. If you did happen to glance her way, you'd know her voice was soft and gentle. And if you saw her smile, you'd see her face become wistfully beautiful, as it does now when an elderly woman comes up the ramp from the train. Mama! Mama, over here! Oh, oh my goodness! All these people pushing and hurrying so. Mama, you <sighs> look so tired. Well, I... The, the train trip. Did you get a berth like I told you to? Well, I... Oh, Mama, you sat up in the coach all night. Now, Pat, the extra money... The money wasn't important. I told you that. Oh, well. I'll get you home and you can lie down. Give me your bag. I'll carry it. Oh, it's not heavy. Hand me the bag. Now, home, bed, a nice hot cup of tea, and you'll be fine. Pat, the doctor at the Mayo Clinic, did he write you a letter... Like you said he would? Yes, Mama. We'll talk about it when we get home. You you do understand my wanting to be back here with you when I have the operation? Of course, Mama. We'll go see Dr. Finchley in the morning. Oh, that'll be fine. I like Dr. Finchley so much. And it'll be nice being in the same hospital where you work. Oh, Pat. I've been such a burden on you. Don't say that, Mama. Don't ever say it again. Like I was saying, Doc, I can't keep a waitress working here for more than a week or two. They want more money, they want less work, they want a soft deal, they want a husband with a nice little business like this one. <laughs> well, what you should do, Nick, is marry one and have a waitress who works without pay. Here's your change. No, sir. Not me. I'm allergic to women. I got burnt once. That was enough. Mm, must have been bad. The works. 250 bucks worth. The day after I give her a diamond engagement ring, she runs off with another guy. Oh, well, I guess I can't blame you. Well... Back to the grind. Hey, Doc, you tell that other intern, whatever his name is, tell him I want the five bucks he owes me. <laughs> well, tomorrow's payday, Nick. <laughs> See you later. So long. Oh, hiya, Pat. Hello, Doctor. Nice weather, huh? Boy, you sure got soaked. It doesn't matter. I... A cup of coffee, please. Nothing else? That's all. Yep, sure is a storm. Well, here you are. Best coffee in town. Thank you. You better watch it. You spill your coffee all over that white uniform, it'll be a mess. So you're shaking something awful. Oh, now, nothing's that bad, lady. I'm sorry. I don't usually do this. What's the matter? You just lose a favorite patient or something over at the hospital? No. It's my mother. She's over there seeing Dr. Finchley. Well, then there's nothing to worry about. Finchley's one of the best in town. At least that's what all the interns and nurses say. Even the very best sometimes can't do anything. She... She just came back from Mayo Clinic. A doctor out there wrote me and said... He, he said there was very little chance for her. Oh. Oh, I see. Gee, that's too bad. I just couldn't stand it over there waiting. So I came here for a cup of coffee. You better drink it before it gets cold. Yes, I guess I have. I'm, I'm sorry about crying in front of you. Oh, that's all right. You really got something to cry about. If it was my mother, I guess I'd cry too. Yes, I, I guess you would. Uh, I haven't seen you in here before. Well, I've come in a few times, but... Of course, so many nurses come in, I can't remember all of them. No, of course not. And it just being a few times, naturally, you wouldn't remember. <laughs> well, if they were all like you, I'd go out of business. Well, I... You see, my mother, I have to be with her as much as possible, so I very seldom go anyplace. 
You mean no dates, no boyfriends, no nothing? No. No boyfriends or dates. Well, what do you know? A dame with no boyfriend. Hey, you must be like me. You don't trust guys, I don't trust dames. Oh, it isn't that. I'm no different from other girls. I mean, I'd like to have a man who'd take me out and send me flowers and, and want the same things I want. Uh, aren't you going to drink your coffee? I'd better get back to the hospital. Your name is Nick, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Thank you? Thank you for what? You paid for your coffee. Well, just thank you for being nice when I needed someone to be nice. For being nice? Me? Nice? Ah, same old line. Dames. Now, Mama, you sit down here and order yourself a good luncheon. I have to get back to the hospital. All right, dear. Now, don't worry about me. Promise you'll take a cab home? I promise. Would you see that she takes a cab, Nick? Me? Oh, sure, I'll call on myself. Oh, thank you very much. I have to hurry now. And you lie down when you get home, Mama. I will. See you tonight. Well, what'll it be? The blue plate today is roast beef and mashed potatoes. That'll be just fine. Coming right up. Do you know Pat? Pat? Oh, Pat! Yeah, sure, sure, we're all friends. Oh, well, it's nice to know that. Nice? Nice to know she has friends. She's always been such a shy girl. Oh, I suppose she didn't tell me about you because you asked her to go out with you and she didn't want me to know. She knows how badly I feel about her having no fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what she... Hey, something wrong? Just a pain. Go away in a moment. That's too bad. Is there anything I can do? Oh, no. No, nothing. Operation. Day after tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Pat was telling me. Well, when Doc Finchley gets through with you, you'll be as good as new. No. I... Somehow you know about those things. I'm not afraid to die. But Pat, if only she weren't so alone. Now, don't you worry about Pat. She's... Well, someday... Someday she'll get married, have a home, kids. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you say that. I... Well, maybe if afterwards you ask her to go out with you again. Maybe she would then. Go out with... Oh, well, yeah, yeah, sure. You say, look, you better eat your lunch and then I'll call you a kid. You're very nice. You're, you're just the sort of young man I'd always hope. <laughs> you, you don't know what a bum I am. I pinch kids candy and kick dogs and cats. Yeah. And... and help old ladies cross streets. <laughs> Seventeen, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-eight. Oh, oh, it's you. It's kind of late for you to be out. I brought my mother into the hospital tonight. She's going to be operated on tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah, I remember. I thought I'd like a cup of tea before I go home. Well, I was closing up, but if you make it quick, I guess it's okay. Thank you. How is she? My mother? Well, she knows, I think. Knows? How small her chances are of, of coming through this. Oh. Yeah, that's too bad. She, she thinks you've asked me to go out with you. I don't know why you said it, but it made her feel... Oh, she just kind of got that impression herself, I guess, and she was... Well, it seemed to make her feel better, so I didn't say anything. 
It was terribly nice of you. Hey, now, look, sister, just because I felt sorry for your mother and let her think what she wanted to think, don't start getting any ideas, because I'm... Ideas? But I... I don't like dames. None of them, all of them, every last one of them. I didn't mean for you to think... Same old line. I don't think I want the tea, after all. And don't worry, I won't bother you again. Not even for a minute longer to tell you what an impossible, conceited person I think you are. Because you aren't even decent enough to care what I think. We return now to the second act of Grand Gesture, starring Debbie Reynolds in the role of Pat. When she arranges for an operation on her mother at the hospital where she works as a nurse, Pat Rogers knows that the case is almost hopeless. And her sole aim is to make her mother's remaining days happy. She finds unexpected help when Nick, the woman-hating owner of the lunchroom across from the hospital, lets Mrs. Rogers think he is fond of Pat, only to be told off by him in no uncertain terms when she tries to thank him. In a hospital corridor the following morning... Uh, say, Pat... Nick... What are you doing here? Well, I, I guess I sort of sounded off last night, and I wanted to tell you that I was... It doesn't matter. Please, they'll be bringing my mother out of her room in a minute. Well, that was what I really came over here for. Uh, well, I wanted to tell her something, and so I... Tell I... her something? Yeah. You see, I thought maybe she'd feel better if, um... Well, if we... Oh, there she is. Hey, wait a second. Please, I haven't got time to talk. Well, she's all ready, Miss Rogers. Oh, Hi, Nick. What are you doing here? Uh, Doc, I just wanted to tell Mrs. Rogers something. Could we uh, talk to her alone? Sure, sure. I'll see if Dr. Finchley's all set. Pat, so sleepy. They gave you a sedative, Mama. Uh, Mrs. Rogers. Why, it's the young man from the little restaurant across the street. Nick, isn't it? That's right. Oh, how nice of you to come here. Well, I, I just wanted to tell you that... Well, it's this way. You see, um... Pat and I, well, we're, we're engaged. We're what? Yeah, we, well, we were just talking, Mrs. Rogers, while we were waiting for you to come out of your room, and we decided we were going to be engaged. Nick, I, I don't... Oh, Pat, such a nice young man. I'm so happy for you. Well, I may not be much, but... Oh, you're fine. Just fine. I knew that when I talked to you yesterday. And to think what I've prayed for has happened. Well, we're all ready for your mother, Miss Rogers. All right, Doctor. Now, Mama, don't worry about a thing. Everything's going to be all right in just a little while. Why, of course, Pat. Everything's all right this very minute. I'll take her upstairs now. Why did you do it, Nick? I felt sorry for her yesterday. She's a nice old lady, and I felt sorry for her. Oh, I see. And if she's all right afterwards, what do you... Well, then after a little while, we just tell her we changed our minds. We broke the engagement. Yes. Yes, of course. Thanks for making her happy. It meant a lot to her. I'm going to her room and wait now. Yeah, that's the way to do it, all right. We'll make her think we changed our minds. Sure, that's what we'll have to do. But, Nick, thanks anyway. Hi, Nick. Coffee and ham on rye. Sure thing, Doc. Say, how's Mrs. Rogers? I called the hospital twice. They wouldn't tell me much. I don't know. She rallied a little and sank again. But she's still holding on? Oh, yeah. Fighting every inch of the way. What do you know? Of course, if she makes it, it's only a matter of time, you know. Six months, maybe, at the most. 
Six months, huh? Hey, I just happened to remember. Before she went under the anesthetic, she told Dr. Finchley you and Pat were engaged. So the woman hater has succumbed, huh? Not on your life, no, sir. Not me. I don't get it. Well, you see, she came in here yesterday for something to eat, and she got to talk in, tell me how worried she was in case something happened to her about her daughter being left all alone. So, just told her we were engaged to make her feel better. Oh, I see, yeah. And you're the guy who kicks dogs and takes candy from babies. Ah, cut it out. <laughs> She's just a nice old lady in trouble, and she kind of reminds me of my own mother. Yeah, but, uh, <clears throat> what if she pulls through? It's simple. If she does, Pat'll just tell her that, uh, that we broke the engagement. Sure, it's simple. Uh, coffee and ham on rye, coming up. Mama? Huh? Huh? Oh, Pat. I didn't hear you come into the room. Did I wake you? No, no. I just had my eyes closed. How are you feeling, Mama? Well, I, I'm feeling quite comfortable, considering. Mm, that's good. I'm so glad you came in, dear. I'm just thinking about you. You were? What about me? Well, not just about you, really. About you and Nick. How's Nick? Oh, he he's all right, Mama. That's good. He's a fine young man, dear. I know he's going to make you very happy. Yes. Yes, of course he is. Are you two planning on being married soon? I mean... So I can be at the wedding? Oh, well, yes. Yes, quite soon, I think. Of course you'll be at the wedding, Mama. That's good. You know, Pat, that'll make me happier than anything else. Where are you going to have the wedding? Oh, well, we haven't definitely decided. Well, how's my pet patient getting along? Oh, Dr. Finchley, I'm feeling very well. That's good. Just making my rounds and wanting to put my head in and say hello. I'll be back later. All right. That's fine. I think we'd better let your mother get some rest now, Pat. Better come along with me. Yes. All right, Dr. Finchley. And Pat, dear, don't you worry about me. If Nick wants you to go out with him tonight, you just go right ahead. I'll be all right. Yes, Mama. I'll be back soon. How did it go, Dr. Finchley? Well, Pat, we can certainly call it successful. At least we've given your mother a little while longer to live. Yes. How how long do you think it will be? Well, it's hard to say. Probably six months or so. I see. We'll do everything we can. Oh, by the way, Pat, I hear congratulations are in order. Well, what do you mean? Well, your engagement to Nick, of course. Your mother told me just before she took the anesthetic. Oh. Oh, yes. I like Nick. You two ought to be very happy. Well, I don't know. It... It may not work out. We may change our minds. Hey, when a confirmed woman hater like Nick makes up his mind, it's made up. I'm not worrying about either of you changing your mind. Just don't you forget to invite me to the wedding. No. No, Dr. Finchley. I won't forget. getting ready to close for the night. Um, how's your mother? She's going to pull through. Well, gee, that's swell. I sure am glad. Dr. Finchley says, though, that, well, she's only going to have a few months. Nick, she was so happy about what you told her that, 
What if I told her we were breaking the engagement? Oh, Father? sure, that's all right. Just let her keep on thinking we really mean it until... Well, you know what I mean. I'm afraid I wasn't... Well, I didn't act very grateful about what you did for her. But I want you to know... No, that's all right. Just forget about it. Forget about it? All right, I'll just forget about it. Hey, 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 wait a minute, Pat. What's the matter with me? No sale. Yeah, that's the matter with me. Pat. Nick. I, um, I, I wanted to talk to you. Did you, Nick? Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> well, I, I waited till I knew you were off duty. I wanted to, um, uh, how's your mother? My mother? Oh, she's gaining steadily. Well, that's, that's just swell. Uh, wait, wait a minute. I got something for you. Here. We'll open it up. What? It's, it's a ring. Oh, Nick, you didn't have to do that. Just telling Mama was enough. Was it? Was it uh, enough for you, Pat? You, you mean... I mean, if... Well, if you could stand a guy like me around, I... Nick, of course I could. Forever and ever. There you go crying again. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. But on you, it looks good, honey. On you, it looks beautiful. But, Nick, you told me you didn't like women. I don't. All except one. Oh, darling. Now I know I don't have to make believe anymore, do I? Because now, I know it's real. And so the curtain comes down on the final act of this week's Stars Over Hollywood show as presented by Carnation Evaporated Milk and starring Debbie Reynolds. How about a curtain call for our star? Of course, Art, and thanks for asking. Well, thank you, Debbie, for a wonderful performance in the starring role of Grand Gesture today. We'll certainly look forward to your next appearance on Stars Over Hollywood. So will I. I've enjoyed it, Art. And now, Debbie, for your outstanding performance today, we'd like you to have this bouquet for your home. Red and white carnations, just like those pictured on every can of carnation evaporated milk. Thanks ever so much, Art. And goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, Debbie Reynolds. The story on today's Stars Over Hollywood presentation was written by Elaine McMahon. Supporting Miss Reynolds were Harry Bartell, Myra Marsh, Jack Edwards, and Joe Forte. The program was directed by Don Clark. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show 
with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.